1: Super easy, distributes our podcasts to many, many different platforms. There's creation tools to allow you to record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. Check out anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started.
2: This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Use promo code PNF20 to save 20% off your jig order. Welcome to the Pat on Femme podcast, the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment, where we try to improve our skills as anglers by learning new techniques or improving the ones we already know. I'm your host, Ryan Milford. Welcome back to Fishing for noobs on the paddle and Finn podcast. I'm your host Ryan, and today we got a cool guest. We got Mr. Aaron Steiger here. Welcome to uh, to the podcast, buddy. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on again. Yeah, yeah. This is your first time on bass fishing for noobs, but you have been on the podcast before
3: yeah yeah uh, sorry about that yep been on this not not on this segment but yeah absolutely been on with brian and the guys once before so definitely good to support y'all yeah uh so all right
2: t- t- tell us a little bit about this whole whole eric jackson
3: stepping down thing yeah man uh no so ej's been uh obviously you know he started the company 15 years ago and um you know it's no secret he's real, a, real quick like for people that may not know
2: Eric Jackson you know this is the president of Jackson kayaks like just just wanted to throw that out there real quick sorry yeah
3: yeah no ej started the company uh 15 years ago just to kind of get uh him and his family into solid whitewater kayaks he's a multiple time world champion <laughs> along with his his kids um they're all extremely talented Um, And lately EJ's uh, been, you know, he picked up FLW Fishing uh, a couple years back, a few years back. Um, He's found some success uh, through that and uh, he wants to pursue that more fully. You know, he wants to spend time with his grandkids. Um, He wants to spend time with his kids. And so, you know, from a business standpoint, being a president of a company takes up a lot of time. Um, And so he's still going to be an ambassador of the company. Um, he's just not going to be an active day to day, you know, on the business end of it at this time in the same capacity. Now, would I imagine he's still going to be super involved moving forward in a lot of other ways? I'd have to say so um, if I had to speculate. But um, right now, it sounds like uh, it's just one of those things where uh, EJ wants to have some more time. And you know what? I completely <coughs> respect that. And the uh, good thing is, is that it, Outside of the title, um, there's a lot of things in place at Jackson Kayak to where um, we're going to be just as strong moving forward uh, as we were yesterday. So um, it's a it's a it's an all around good thing. I'm happy for EJ. You know, he kind of reached out to the team earlier today about it and, and everybody's feeling the same exact way. Uh, we're all kind of, you know, bummed to lose our fearless leader and title. But you know what? Um, he he made it very clear like he's still going to be completely around and so uh, good for him and uh, we're excited for him
2: yeah that's cool and you know there ain't nothing wrong with him you know deciding to take time for himself and you
3: know live life a little bit I, I think
2: I think all of us have that dream to do that eventually
3: oh yeah and he's been so successful about it and about it with the company and he's been a role model to all of uh, all of our team and i know a lot of people just around the uh the kayaking world in general on both the whitewater side the wreck side the fishing side and and so you know he's not going anywhere it's <laughs> you know he just needs a little bit of a little bit of breathing room so it's all good good for him all right well
2: appreciate you uh touching on that 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 was kind of a last minute ad right there you know it, it was uh just announced so i had to, had to bring that up but now to get to to what I brought you on here for. You uh the other day you were doing a live video on Facebook. Uh you're out fishing and you were talking mm-hmm. about cold water using mm-hmm. a jerk bait. Yeah. Now a jerk bait is something I've never caught a fish on, but I don't know what it is. I love working a jerk bait.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, something about that action. You now I, I love it. So I wanna get better with jerk bait in general. Mm-hmm. But fishing in cold water with everybody seeming to have pretty cold water here lately. You know, yeah. I figured this would be a good subject to talk about and like I'm really excited about this one here. So right on, uh, uh yeah. where should we start with this? Should we start yeah, with Yeah no rod or
3: I mean I, or, I I'll I'll think tell you, you what. started off um yeah no I think you start off just, you know, why why now and and why would you fish a jerkbait right now because this is really um, one of the only times I, I personally fish a jerk bait throughout the year. Um, and so I kind of break it down as um active versus um inactive fish. And so uh at this time of year, here where I'm at in Ohio anyway, uh the fish are are not active. Um uh like the smallmouth, the largemouth, they're not as active, I should say, as they were just a month ago. Uh, you know, a month ago we're late October, you know, through november and that water's cooling down from you know 65 60 55 50 and that's like prime time when those fish are starting to school up um chasing around uh the schooling shad the schooling bait fish um and they're just they're really feeding up for the winter time um and they're super active and they're quite honestly pretty easy to catch at that point um and when things start to slow down um, as far as the seasonal changes and and as far as um you know weather and water conditions um as far as the time of day the lunar patterns like things just all kind of move in tandem and those are things you have to consider and that's why fish are either active or inactive you know when you start talking about the seasons um winter in ohio is associated with water conditions then and that is cold water conditions And a fish's metabolism, it's, it just goes straight down, (laughs) you know, it goes from super feeding mode to like almost inactivity, um, in just about a month's time, uh, because now the water, uh, you know, it, it was frozen only, you know, a week or two ago, uh, we had a big freeze and, and everything froze up for a few days. And so the water's just above freezing here. Um, so we're probably talking like 38 to 40 degrees, um, where I was fishing at, Um, and those fish aren't super active. So that means you've got to do something to make them bite. Now at, at this time of the year, um, you can do one of two things and there's two different theories. I feel like, um, when you see an inactive fish, how do you make it bite? And either you make them react, uh, you trigger them or you finesse them out. Right. So last week I took a Ned rig out. And I just sat there with my rod, you know, just sat there and jigged it <laughs> pretty much just right on the bottom. Didn't even move, uh, found a high percentage area where the fish, uh, I knew they were going to be in a deeper hole and they were, um, and, uh, relative to the water that I was on. And I just jigged a Ned rig and, and caught, you know, three or four smallmouth um, just right off the bat. That was actually on a live video as well. Uh, so that was a completely different technique. So That was a finesse technique. But this is the other side of that. Now, a jerk bait is one of those baits that it's, it triggers a core vicious predatory response in a bass. Um, the reason it does that is because it mimics quite perfectly the forage that they're going after in that specific season or they had just got done going after in that specific season. Uh, that fall to winter transitional time. Um, What makes the jerkbait viable at this time is water clarity. So where I'm at, I typically don't throw a jerkbait a lot because the water clarity where I fish in this specific body of water is not uh, very good. And a jerkbait is one of those baits where um, it's got drawing power and it can draw fish in clearer water, you know, Twenty feet away, because it mimics very well um, a, a dying shad or a fleeing shad or a fleeing perch or, or whatever the, the forage is, um, and so that's what makes the jerk bait very powerful. Um, it triggers a, a really just a core response in bass because of the erratic motion uh, and the way you fish it, and so uh, that's kind of what why I fish a jerk bait and and just considering you know kind of the season and the water conditions. Um, the water conditions, you know, they're cool water conditions. They're clear. They're clear water conditions. And when those two things line up, that's typically winter time. That's winter time in the north. And so, uh, you better be good with a jerk bait. Now we can talk a little bit later. Um, I fish jerk baits on in deeper bodies of water, um, like that are clear, like a Lake Erie. Um, I fish jerk baits quite a bit for smallmouth on Lake Erie. Um, and we got some upground reservoirs that I I like to fish jerk baits on as well. So. Um, that are more clear as well. So uh, that's kind of the the reason behind it, anyway. Um, yeah. So there we go. All right. So you you were saying
2: the water uh, is like just above freezing, and mm-hmm. like you're using it right now. What what would you say like the range is for
3: water temperature for uh, for this um, cold water jerk I, bait bite? Yeah, I'd say probably under 50 degrees. Um, Under 50 degrees, you start transitioning from that fall into more of a wintering pattern, 50, and then it goes down to, you know, that mid-40 range, and you're pretty much got fish in the wintering patterns. Um, Because if I look, like, from winter to then to spring, um, I think the same way. Like, right when it hits that 50-degree mark, I'll start to speed everything back up. Um, And so going from fall to winter, I use that same kind of 50 and below, I'll start really fishing that jerk bait. And, and quite honestly, you know it because the water where I'm at starts to get more clear because the algae just that's in the water starts dying. And so the water clears up. And as soon as that water clears up, you can throw that jerk bait and it'll call fish in. Um, and so, and it ha- I, I feel like jerk baits have a greater um, distance that they call fish in because they're natural enough that it, they just they attack it, uh, versus like a spinnerbait or a crankbait.
2: All right. Uh, yeah, I, I think around here, in Middle Tennessee, water temps of being like low fifties. Uh, as as of as of a week ago, you know, we we might be pushing closer to fifty, maybe starting to drop under that. One. That's why I asked that
3: question. Mhm. Oh yeah, no, because hey, we're not you quite can throw it at any time. Well, I mean, it's not a, so if, if you've got water that's clear, um, and fish can kind of see decently well, um, you, I'd say you can throw that jerk bait anytime. I mean, quite honestly. And like, I'm, like I said, I mean, I threw a jerk baits right in the middle of the summer on Lake Erie and just hammer fish with them. You know what I mean? Uh, deeper diving ones, but I hammer fish with them on those jerk baits, um, because it, it, it just works. And so if you've got clear water, uh, I would say go for it. Now there are other jerk baits um, that have some louder rattles in them. Some of the Lucky Craft series, um, some of the Pointer series has some nice rattle in it. Um, those are more of like you can you can kind of fish those more and, and even dirtier water though, too. Um, so yeah. Well, that kind of
2: brings me to another question. What okay with cold water jerk bait fishing? Mm-hmm. What are you? Uh, uh, what kind of jerk bait? I, I know there's like floating, it's suspending, mm-hmm. and probably some other ones. What, yeah. what are you
3: using for the cold water jerk bait? Mm-hmm. So I got into jerk bait fishing about 10 years ago for saw guy. It's kind of like a hybrid between a sauger and a walleye. And uh, there's a there's a lake around us that stocks them. And um, what I used to do is I'd take husky jerk uh, 12s and some 14s. Um, and then I'd take Smithwick rogues and, um, those are actually, they call them suspending, but some of them slightly float. So what I would do is I would take them to the lake, like when it was freezing out and cause saw guy bite in the winter time and just like these cold water jerkbait bass do. And so, um, I take it over to the lake and I literally just put the jerkbait in the water that I was going to fish for, you know, 10 minutes to get it the the exact um, temperature of the water of the lake and the consistency of the lake. And I'd watch it. I put a I put a flashlight on the jerk bait and the jerk bait, a lot of them would just slowly float up. So I'd bring little like thin lead wire with me. Like you can buy this lead wire online. I, I don't even I forget where I got it. I just got a huge spool of it. But I bring lead wire with me and I'd wrap it around the trebles to where that thing would just suspend perfectly in the water column. It would just sit there and saw guy fishing where i learned it and i learned the patience to do it like these would be five to seven minute casts sometimes like you'd cast it out and you just pull it down and you would just let that jerk bait just sit in the water um just you know two feet under the water column and then eventually a saw guy would go by and just hammer it so ideally you know, so a Smithwick Rogue is, is kind of like a cheaper jerkbait. you know, they're like six dollars or something like that. They're they're inexpensive comparatively to some of the other ones. Um, some of them, like a Bass uh, Vision 110, they typically will uh, suspend on their own. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, you want a, a floater. Sometimes you want to bring them down and have them slowly float up. Um, honestly, you've got to gauge the mood of the fish. So. Some of them, sometimes you want them to suspend. Sometimes you want them to float. Sometimes you want them to sink. Um, It really just depends. I typically don't like sinkers because you end up losing them because the trouble hooks on the bottom of the bait. If you take too long on your cast, it'll go down and it'll sink and it'll get snagged up into who knows what and you'll lose your nice jerk bait. But if I'm going to fish, I'm either going to fish with a floater or a suspending one. And if they don't suspend and I want them to suspend, I just add a little bit of lead weight onto the treble hooks uh, to make them suspend if they float. Uh, And it works really well uh, by doing that. So, um, but the key is to get them to suspend, you've got to have perfect balance on it. Um, And it's got to be the temperature of the water. You got to get your jerk bait. Like, you got to take the time to, like, sit there, cast it out and just chill on your phone for a few minutes. Let it get the temperature of the water. And then you can use either lead tape, which I think Storm makes some lead tape that that sticks on it, and then uh, or you can use little you know wire around the treble hooks like I like to use too. So uh, those are two ways you can make your jerk bait suspend. But um, I typically do use suspending jerk baits though, like and that's that's the that's the deal. So I like them anyways. Now there are some that like you showed me some Husky jerks from Rapala. Um, I do like, uh, shadow wraps too, cause they got those flat sides and they do kind of shimmy down slowly. So if I'm fishing like deep on Erie, like a shadow wrap can work, uh, cause they can, they can get down. If you don't want to use something with a huge bill, um, those can work pretty decently too, if you work them slow. So, um, you know, those are a little bit like, so I'd say suspending jerk baits are the kind of the deal and, and you can get them from $6 up to, you know, $30 for a mega bass uh you know vision series so uh those are you know it's kind of where where they're at
2: now when, you, when you're saying you're wrapping wire around it you're you're almost I'm, I'm just so, trying to make sure
3: i got this right are you talking about like the shaft of the of the yes, treble hook yeah yeah so the ax, okay. yep so like the shank of the not the shank but yeah the shaft of the treble hook um you kind of like what i do is take like a little loop And I'd put it through, like, the eyelet of the shank or of the shaft. And then I'd just kind of wrap it and wrap a little, you know, I'd wrap a lot. And then, like, if it sank, um, number one, you got to figure out which treble you want to put it on. It's got three trebles. You, how's your jerkbait sit? Does it sit nose down? Does it sit butt down? Does it sit flat? And I like mine sitting um, just slightly nose down for some reason. I don't know. I just like it better. Um, So that's where I try to get them. And uh, so then I'll just take a pair of uh, like toenail clippers or fingernail clippers and just clip a little bit of the lead wire off, just a, a little bit, little bit, little bit, until it just sits there perfectly. And then you've got a perfectly tuned jerk bait. Now the other thing is, though, is I change out the hooks on every single jerk bait that I have. Um, I don't ever use stock hooks. Um, a lot of times, um, jerk like just treble hooks in general. Every every crankbait I own every lipless I own every jerk bait I own uh, I change my hooks out and I forget the exact owner hooks I use it's uh, I have to look it up but they're they're wider gapped hooks and uh, they work really well and I, I tend to not lose as many fish on them um, I, I know I lost a really good one on live the other day but typically they they get them and, and they pin them down pretty well and so um, that's, and you got to find your own hooks that you like, but, uh, you know, I just feel like a, a big, a big consideration if you're going to bait fish or crank bait fish or lipless fish is those hooks. And you're going to pay as much in hooks a lot of times <laughs> as you're going to pay in the bait. Um, but you know, if you get, if you get one pin, you get one hooked. you want it to stay pinned. And, and a big part of that is the hooks. So, um, I always upgrade the, the split rings and then the, the hooks so is is there a certain brand that you tend to i use i use owner i wish i would have brought all my stuff down i got it all up in a box up in the garage but uh i got all my hooks and all my split rings and all my jerk baits and stuff but um yeah no so uh i i I like owner hooks a lot um they're treble hooks um now the other hooks that are really good are the mustad triple grips um i i think they're called like kvd triple grips those are really good as well um, but those are the two I use. Um, so now what is, does that mean? They're the best ones. No, I mean, quite honestly, like a lot of these baits nowadays come with some pretty decent hooks. I just like the ones I use kind of they're, they're wide gap, but then they kind of come back in a little bit. And I just feel like there's so much more hook to just get that fish's mouth and, and keep it there versus like the round bend hooks. Um, those round bend hooks are, they'll, they'll hook the fish a lot easier because there's no uh the the hook doesn't actually come in so to speak so like there's not the little i don't know like longhorn type coming in uh it's just a straight it's like a u so when they swipe at a jerk bait the fish can really get it and spit it really quick um and if you've got a round hook they're more likely to get hooked because there's there it's straight up but if you've got a hook coming in like i like them it does take a little bit more to get that fish hooked however if you've got a round hook if they get it um and you've got them hooked they're going to get off easier because it's just a straight straight up you know what i mean versus actually having something there to kind of leverage against them and so um i like hooks that kind of go in just a touch is it a little tougher to get them hooked yeah, but that's why I use bigger round bend hooks, though, too. And so, like, a wider gap hook. And so, I don't feel like I suffer any type of uh, hookup ratio disadvantage because of that. And, um, I mean, I was fishing, like, you know, you saw the live video. I was sitting there fishing. And a couple of the fish I caught, like, I felt them T-bone the bait. And they missed it once. But the thing about the jerk bait is, is like, they want to eat that. They're they're attacking that thing. Like, they're, it has triggered them. And so... Like I felt them T-bone it and they didn't get it and I felt it but then I just give it one little more pop and they come right back and hammer it and so like you know I caught a couple fish just like that and so um, they want to eat that thing because it's ticked them off they weren't wanting to eat but you've made them eat and they're gonna do it and so um, yeah and so that's you know that's that's jerk baiting and and I do like to that point I do like jerk baits that have three hooks on them because you will see you know if this is the jerk bait right here um you will see like the fish come up and just hammer it to the side like they will t-bone the bait and if there's not a hook in the middle a lot of times they'll just they'll miss it they'll just hit it miss it and they never get hooked and so that middle hook a lot of times is the one that's like if they t-bone it they'll get it so i'm i'm glad you
2: brought that up because i didn't even think to ask about that um So let's talk about like the setup you use for
3: that, like
1: rod strength,
3: Um, reel speed. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, so if I'm using a, a, like my saw guy setup, I use actually just a spinning rod, um, on braided line, which sounds so weird. Um, but the thing about that braided line is it floats and I do five minute casts. So these, these jerkbaits just floating in the water, just randomly floating around. Um, and it, on a semi slack line, um, on you know, just on a medium light spinning rod, but that's a different kind of jerkbait fishing. So, for bass, um, I use uh, 14 pound fluorocarbon, I use an eight to one gear ratio reel, uh, Shimano uh, 70 XG is what it's called, um, bait caster, and then I use um, a St. Croix six foot ten medium moderate legend glass series rod now one thing to consider when you jerk bait fish it's a semi slack line technique and so um what that means is like have you do you frog fish at all like do you ever fish a frog yeah I've, I've i've tried it I haven't really been successful so yet. I've got a one few of the, strikes, but yeah. So one of the my favorite ways to fish a frog is like almost exactly how I fish a jerkbait. It's just on the top with the frog. So like, I love walking frogs on, um, like open water frog walking, like through like sparse grass, sparse lily pads, stuff like that. So like the way it rolls is again like this is like my gimbal uh, mount, but <laughs> this is going to serve as everything today. So if you're sitting here. And you, you're, you're working your frog like this. Okay. And so what that does, that converts all the way to the the very tip of the rod and you're just doing tiny motions like this, but on a semi-slack line, what that makes the frog do, you're, you're given, you're, you're pulling it. It makes it dart one way. It has slack in the line. And then as soon as it hits that other apex, you pull it again, and then it gets slack in the line, pull it slack, pull it slack and it just goes back and forth and you're walking the nose of that frog in a cadence. You do the same thing with a jerk bait. It's the same exact thing except for it's subsurface. And so what that does, it's the same, I mean it is the literal same concept. It's why does the why do those bass just go crazy for a topwater frog that's just or or like I do the same thing with like a they're called ricos, they're like little uh light poppers. Um, it's like a little tiny popper it's like two inches It's like an inch and a half or two inches long and I do it on a spinning reel with braid and a loop knot so I just go and those things just and just walk back and forth like on little walks same thing with the frog same thing with the jerk bait jerk baits though have a bigger their subsurface number one but they have a bigger um, side to side so like probably my favorite jerk bait I was actually using it um, in that video, it's the, the Jackal rearrange. Um, and it's got a pretty wide, uh, erratic movement. Now the, the, the megabass vision has a very wide movement as well. And I kind of use them seasonally. So like I'll move into the megabass ones here very soon when the water gets really cold because they're, uh, just so subtle comparatively. But, um, but, uh, the deal is though, it's a slack line technique and you're just, you're pulling the slack out of the line. You're pulling the slack out, making the bait dart the other way, pulling the slack out, making the bait dart the other way. And that's why you see like if you see KBD, like he's the biggest jerk bait fisherman you'll ever watch. Like so he'll sit on a on a dam like a the riprap of a dam. And uh, and I've seen him do this just so many times. Like he'll sit there and, you know, uh, 20 feet off the dam and just boom, boom, just all day. Boom, 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 boom. All he's doing is he's pulling the slack out of that line and then putting slack back into it again. He's just slack, 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 slack. He's making that jerk bit go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then, eventually, it goes past the fish, and that fish is like, that's mine. You know what I mean? And so that's the deal. Um, but it's the same concept as a top, what, like a like a spook, you know, same same yeah, concept as what, a popper.
2: That's what I was thinking of whenever you were talking about it.
3: Yep, that's exactly the same same concept. It's the same exact thing. You're just doing it underwater. So it's walking the dog underwater. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah. That's the best way you can describe it.
2: Um. Well, with cold water, how often are you popping it?
3: Are you yeah. doing it pretty regularly or slow? Or? <laughs> yeah. So you got to listen to the fish. Um, so. When I first got on live, I was sitting down, which made me fish it slower because you can't. It's a lot harder to just pop it when you're sitting. So I wasn't popping it as much, and I was getting more bites. And then I stood up, and I got zero bites. And then I went off live, but then I sat back down when I got off live, and then I got more bites again because I slowed back down. And I was like, oh, well, that's the key right there. But then I had to leave because my kids got up from their nap. But if I would have kept fishing, um, I would have caught more fish uh, because I realized that they want it slower. And so you just kind of have to listen. If you're sitting there ripping that thing and you want to be like KVD, you're like, Oh yeah, man, I'm going to, so I'm going to rip it every half a second. And that thing's just darting back and forth in the winter time. That's probably not going to be the ticket, but you know, if you sit there and you pop it and you keep that slack in the line. Now, a big thing is, and they talk about this on tactical Bassin, um, they, by the way, tactical Baskin has great jerkbait videos. And that's where I, um, kind of got into bass they great fishing videos all around. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 So, um, <laughs> I watched their, their bass one though. And I was like, they, they said some things that I was like, wow, that's really actually, I never thought about that. Cause they're saying that if you pop it, um, and you have to, and you don't like watch it, that bait will drift. And when that bait drifts, the fish lose interest in it. And I thought that was very interesting. And so you have to keep contact with it on just enough slack line, but you can't have it be too slack because then it'll start drifting. And I guess what they found was the bass don't like it as much. So I'm more conscientious about that. See, and it's interesting because in saw guy fishing, you just let the bait drift. It's completely different. It's, and so I've been, I've had to like adapt my, the way I fish for bass versus the way I would fish for a saw guy with a jerk bait. But, um, but yeah, so it's, you know, it's a pop and you keep that thing as, as still as you can before you pop it again. So it doesn't drift off right, drift off left uh, or pull forward towards you. is kind of what they say. You don't want to pull it towards you either. It's got to be just perfect. So maintaining contact and, and, and to that regard uh, it goes back to the rod, which we got off tangent, but we were talking about the rod and, Um, I do like, you know, so this is my first year fishing with one of the legend glass rods, um, that St. Croix makes. And it it was, it's been a delight fishing with it. I'll just, I'll say, because it's, uh, for a glass rod. Now I've fished with, uh, one of the KVD quantum rods before, like those red ones that, that, uh, like Walmart sells them. They're like a hundred dollars and they're nice rods, but there, there's no sensitivity to them. It's just, they're. There's no sensitivity at all to them, um, and I fished a couple other rods as well that are that are moderate sticks to to try to jerk bait fish, but this one from Saint Croix is just it's sensitive, man. Like I was fishing, um, and and I would hit like a leaf, and I I knew it was a leaf immediately, you know, um, or I'd tick the bottom. I'm like, that's not a bite, that's the bottom. And for a glass rod, I'm very impressed with it. And so I I do enjoy that. Now, here's the the caveat, though, when you talk about a glass rod. Typically, you don't really, for jerkbait-specific fishing, you don't always want a glass rod. Because you want the tip of that rod to be responsive to move that bait on the end of that line so you're moving it and you're keeping the contact we were just talking about with it so you're not having the bait drift and missing fish aggressiveness because of that however i've had great success with this rod like it goes against everything like before i got this rod i was using a medium extra fast rod for my bait fishing as weird as that sounds um, because you're like man aren't you losing fish because of it No, I wasn't really, but this other rod works better for it. It it, as weird as that sounds, and I keep fish. uh, They just they stay pinned. I mean, like I just let them just sit there and fight and just pull and pull and comes back up and doesn't spring back up because it's a it's a glass moderate rod and it's the deal, man. That's a that's a good rod. So it's so.
2: You know, like, just a regular medium rod, you know, should be... Because I, I don't have any glass rods. I, I ain't dished out the money for that. No, right
1: on. That, So No, I hear you, but, man.
2: So, um, with, without the glass rod, I would recommend just a you know, regular say, medium
3: rod? <clears throat> um. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, you can get away with a medium fast and be just fine. Um, You know, if you could find a moderate rod, I'd say, with, with a tip that's... A little more sensitive you know what i'm saying like a rod with with a little tip on it like a little stiff up the up at the very very uh end so that it's you're able to you know manipulate the bait so to speak um but it's got kind of a, a softer overall backbone of the rod um you know what comes to mind is some of those bushido rods um that so that some of these guys fish with and i've fished with someone before they were very soft and uh but they but they did have uh some sensitivity as well and so those wouldn't be bad and they were those were moderately priced um but honestly nowadays um uh now being completely candid i do fish for saint croix but they just came out with a mojo bass glass rod um that is that like hundred dollar hundred fifty dollar range so like if you really wanted to like get into this type of fishing but you didn't want to spend 275 dollars on a rod like you could get into it for a, you know a moderate amount of money relatively speaking um but if you weren't able to do any of that if, if you wanted to even go down a, a step farther uh yeah like go get a medium fast rod um or if you get a medium moderate fast that'd be even better um and uh just rock and roll you know that's you'd be just fine there's that's the thing like i mean let's be honest see you can catch fish with whatever rod it's not that big of a deal it's just you know what i mean like you can take any rod out like i could take my spinning rod out and catch jerkbait fish like because i do with saw guy and then I could take my frogging rod out and catch jerkbait fish as well. It's really not that big of a deal. <laughs> uh,
2: something that you know, I was sitting here thinking about while we were talking about the setup, you said you're using a uh, fluoro line, correct?
3: Yeah, yep. You say 14 pound? I use 14 pound for my okay. uh, jerk baits and my crankbaits and my lipless, yep. Yeah. So
2: something that I planned on doing this coming up here is with pretty much all my setups is running braid to a floral leader. But I'm guessing since you're doing like a walk the dog technique, you're probably
3: not going to want that braid for that setup. Am I, am I
1: thinking right?
3: I mean, I mean you could, but the reason I wouldn't use braid is because I'm using a jerk bait in clearer water. And so that would take down on the amount of strikes you would theoretically get, in my opinion, anyway.
1: Even um, with
3: a leader? Oh, you're saying with a leader. Yeah, um, yeah. With floral leader. I mean, I run, I run braid, braid to floral on all of my contact baits, like my bottom baits, you know, so like my Ooh. jigs and all that. Um, And I love that. But I will say for like anything that I, anything I walk, so I walk my spooks, I walk my poppers, and I walk my frogs with straight braid, just different levels of braid. So like my spooks, I'm walking really? with like, yeah. So I'm walking my spooks with 10 pound braid. And I'm walking my poppers with 10 pound braid on spinning rods. And then I walk my frogs on 65 pound braid on, you know, my bait, my heavy bait caster. But uh but um I'm using, you know, loop knots for all those uh, at the end. So it's like, it's got a little loop. So it allows the nose of that bait to be free. So it's it's like a little loop mm-hmm. at the end. And then it just allows freedom for that bait to move back and forth. And so, um, so that's, I mean, that's kind of, that's what I do there. But as far as um, my jerkbait fishing, I actually just use a Palomar knot. I think part of it's because, Jerk, I wanted to be a strong knot because jerk baits are expensive and I don't want to lose them. I mean, I caught a traffic cone in the river yesterday. I thought I was snagged on the bottom <laughs> and I brought up a traffic cone, you know, and kept it and then threw it away today in the garbage can. But, oh, you, you didn't know, keep it. Was, it? No, no I mean, it good, was like it's it's been in there for a long time, dude. Like it was <laughs> it was there was moss on it that was like a half inch thick over the whole thing. So it, it must have been in there for a long time. But, um, yeah, no. So, I mean. And these are, these are just my setups. The thing is, I guess the biggest thing is, is like I've gone through a lot of different theories on what I should do for different types of lures. Like I, I used to just run straight flora for literally everything, like literally everything. And then I ran just braid for everything. And then I went flora leader to braid for some, or on braid for some stuff. And um, then I was mono for other things. Um, I've just done a lot of different, experimenting. I like fluorocarbon for jerk baits simply because it doesn't stretch as much as mono does. Um, it doesn't stretch as much as mono does it, uh, it's invisible, uh, to the fish. I mean, relatively speaking, um, and it, and it just works well. And, and, and the other reason is, is because I'll use the same rod for my crankbait rod and I use, you know what I'm saying? So like, it's the same yeah. rod for my lipless rod. And so I don't, you know, I'm not sitting here with crazy deep pockets either. So I'm not able to have like four crankbait rods on the deck, nor do I use crankbaits enough to warrant that, you know what I mean? That goes back to our point, like, you know, what works. And, and the deal is, is you got to have a rod that is in a family of baits, in my opinion. So mine is, I got one glass rod and I, and it works great for crankbaits, lipless baits. It works great for, um, jerkbaits. And, uh, you can work chatterbaits and spinnerbaits on it too, if you want, you know what I mean? And and that's our St. Croix kind of promotes it as such as well. And so it's kind of like, you know, I got that rod for six different baits that I use. Yeah. And so I don't have to carry eight rods on the deck. Now you could say the same exact thing for a medium, heavy, fast rod. Like you could use with a, with braid to a a leader, you could use that for, you know, all your other baits that are contact baits and then you basically carry that one spinning rod and you're pretty much set up, you know? So that's kind of where my philosophy on that is anyway. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm all about like making
2: different setups more versatile and all that. Um, cause I only carry four rods out with me whenever mm-hmm. I go. Yeah. So, so I'm all about, but it, it was interesting to me. You said you use like spooks and stuff with braid cause yeah. I, everybody i talk to that uses spooks and does the walk the dog technique mm-hmm. uses uh, they say use mono because that stretch oh, sure. kind of helps with that action yeah know?
3: and no for sure braids got no stretch so right but i'm using so it on a glass odd. rod or, or or i'm using it on a excuse me i'm using it on like a light spinning rod and so here's my here's my other theory why i do okay. that so in a kayak we give up a lot of ground as far as um like when we hook a fish right the fish Mm -hmm. has a lot of advantages our boats move our drags move and that impacts the hookup ratio in my opinion on on fish and so anywhere i can negate anywhere i can get a an advantage so i use very fast reels So I use like, uh, eight, five to one and eight, zero to one reels on all my bait casters. Um, and I use all, like I said, all braid on my stuff, like my spinning reels are all braid to a fluoro leader. Um, I'm using all braid on my bait casters to a fluoro leader. Um, and then all of my bait casters, like my contact baits, are an extra fast tip so I can get to the backbone of the rod as fast as I can. Um, it's just, I don't want to give the fish any speed or power advantage if I can't. Um, and so that's one reason I use braid. The other reason is because it floats. And then the other reason is because I feel like I've done mono. I just feel like, again, that slack line technique, and maybe I'm just comfortable with it because I've saw guy fish that same way. Like, because before I ever did top water baits. It's the same rod I use, topwater baits, that I saw a guy fish with. And I'm super comfortable with the way Braid feels when I pull that bait. I can feel exactly what that bait does. And, I mean, I don't lose fish on it, so I'm good with it, you know. But it's – I guess I just feel like it's – I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, it feels really correct when I fish it that way because I have full control over that bait. So – Call it what it is. <laughs> it might not be right by the book. That's just what I do. Uh, you know, so you're the, the, the uh, advice is what you paid for it. <laughs> Nothing.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, man, you know a lot more about this than I do. Like I said, uh, I never caught a fish off a of bait. But Jay Randall I, would say, man, I'm just a hack, bro. <laughs> uh, I, I got another question, and this is just from watching you explain, you know, how you do and everything is when I'm fishing a jerk bait, I'm usually more like doing like, what, where's my, head? do it like a side twitch. Mm-hmm. And
3: you seem to be like going up. Is, is that, yeah, you, do, I, you like do well, like upward pops? It depends how um, deep the water is. Right. So, so this, so it's interesting. So if you're sitting here fishing like a Stacy 90, from like Lucky Craft, uh, they're kind of like a deeper jerk bait that can get down to like ten or eleven feet. And uh, and I'm fishing, so I'm thinking about like this summer. I was fishing on uh, one of the break walls on Lake Erie, and the water and the water was like nine feet there, right? So I was trying to fish it down, and I wanted to like pull it, you know, fish it down, like yeah, down. When I'm doing that, like your rod um, tip going down, yeah, the rod tip's going down. But when I was doing that um, it was dragon and bottom. And so you like have two options, like either a, you, you slow it way down, which the fish were active. So I didn't want to do that. Or B, you can kind of, you can pull it up and that, that jerk bait that the bill is still pointing down, but you can point it up and it just kind of stays level to where you want it to be. And that's a big deal is like, you've got to be You've got to figure out how you're gonna work the jerk bait depending on how deep your jerk bait dives and how deep that water is and where those fish are in that water column. And like that's a that's a very big deal. And so there's basically like three types of jerk baits. There's like shallow ones that go like zero to two feet or like zero to three feet or whatever. And then there's some medium ones that are like two to seven feet or three to eight feet or whatever. And then there's some deeper ones that are like eight to twelve feet, you know. Um, and then there's like, I mean, I go like do walleye stuff on Lake Erie with ones that go like they're deep diving husky jerks and they go like, I mean, 22 feet deep, but, um, but it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta determine where your fish are. So like I was using like a jackal rearrange 110 on the river the other day. And, and I think that one goes like, it's like three to six feet or something like that. And And I was, I typically fish it down. I mean, I was fishing it down, but I got up on a hump and I started fishing it, pulling it up. (laughs) So it just depends, you know? And that's the thing is like, if there's no exact way to do this every time. And I think that's like the point I'm trying to get across is like, there's no exact rod. There's no exact like line. There's no exact, you need to do this every time. The only thing you need to know is like, cold water clear water works for a jerk bait it elicits very very like active responses in fish and um if you want to have success with it that's kind of the time and the condition you should go out and do it with but to go out and say to somebody yeah you need to go and get this jerk bait like i don't know if that's valid now are some of these jerk baits probably a little have better action than others yeah like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say that they don't i think they do um i think there are advantages to some of them however like you can still catch fish on on any of them you don't have to change the hooks out you don't have to make sure they're suspending perfectly um it's just like i mean that'd be the equivalent of me saying well no you got to have this top water frog to walk with or else you're not going to catch any fish well that's not true You know, or you got to have this specific jig because that's the only jig that catches fish. No, that's not true either. Now, are there ways you can increase your percentages by having the right rod for frogging and jigging? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just the same way, like, how expensive of a kayak do you want to (laughs) get? You know, it's like how deep deep down that wormhole do you want to get? The biggest thing is you got to get comfortable with it. It's just like anything. It's just like any technique um get comfortable with it learn the nuances of it learn how that technique feels to fish and i think that's a huge deal how does that technique feel what does a bite feel like what does a leaf feel like what does it feel like when you're working it properly and and quite honestly like the i just go back to my frog fish and my spook and my popper and my jerk bait all feel very similar to me and so they're very familiar and I can just pick it up, even though it's a different season and a different technique. It's the same kind of procedure that you're using. Um, you know, it'd be, it's the, it's the same idea as like you're fishing a jig and then a Texas rig. You're doing very similar things.
2: Now, let me ask you this real quick. When you're doing like the downward jerk, are you standing up?
3: Uh, yeah. Yeah. You, you almost have to. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Unless you're like putting the rod in the water. Yeah, um, and you don't you you almost have to, but quite honestly, so if you're working a frog or a spook, yeah, you got to be standing up. But with a jerk bait, it's a little different because the the bait is below you. It's not level. You know what I'm saying? So like with a frog, the bait's pretty much if you're sitting down, the bait's like a foot below where your rod is. But the jerk bait's like four feet below the boat. So you still have a little bit of leeway, you know what I'm saying? Like you're actually above that jerk bait. And so you can still just pop the rod a little bit. Uh you don't have to be standing to do that. You can have not a lot of slack in the line and still get that bait to move. You know what I'm saying? Like it just cuz yeah. you're like so so when I'm going like this, the tip of that rod typically is not going like this. It's yeah, not like, I was gonna it's, ask you it's like going, the tip of the rod's is going moving. like, like this. It's, so it's going like, like two Oh, it's, inches it's like or that. so. Oh yeah. It's, it's like this, right. It's very, very subtle, especially like, and, and the way I learned that was with walking a frog on the top of the water. You literally, and the way I learned to walk a frog on the top of the water, I was actually fishing with Kyle Weisenberger. He's an FLW guy. And I learned that technique like four years ago or something like we went fishing and he went out, he's casting this frog under this dock. It was like in the middle of summer, and he was just like, tick, 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 tick. And that frog was just, you know, back and forth. And I was like, holy crap. And, uh, and he was hammering them, you know? And so um, I was, uh, and actually even before him, and I didn't put the two together until I fished with Kyle, but I fished with a guy that used to fish the FLW named McCoy Borgia. And we were actually down on the Pigeon River uh waiting for smallmouth one day um i was down there and we we hooked up and uh he was fishing a popper in a creek um that was up to our chest basically this pigeon the little pigeon river and uh we're like in this hole and it's up to his chest and he's sitting here walking this little popper like just with the tip of his rod just just with the his wrist and i was like okay that's cool and it, it didn't really register like i should go do that until i fished with kyle and I was like, oh, man, that's the same technique. It's just with a different bait. And it's like, oh, yeah, I can do that with my jerk baits, too. Like, <laughs> you know, now KVD swings that thing like it's like a like a I don't even know what. Like, he's just like, <laughs> you know, because he, he like really works that. I don't think you got to work it that hard. Well, he's working it in the summertime, too. I work. I'm usually just throwing jerk baits in the winter. So you don't want to be working. the. You don't want to be like pulling that thing. You know, five feet right and five feet left because the fish aren't going to follow it. Um, I'm moving that jerk bait just a foot at a time back and forth, like I would a like I would a frog or like I would a spook.
2: Okay, say I've probably been doing too big
3: of pops with. Yeah, subtle's always better. I feel like you know, I mean, in a lot of situations anyway. Um, there's times and places to go aggressive, I'm sure, but no, I
2: i only got one more question regarding jerk baits all right and that and that's color now you okay. got to go into detail like certain color names but like as far as like brighter colors darker yeah, colors all depends flake, what you, you want to fish
3: for right and so it depends on the water quality and clarity so like if i'm fishing lake erie i'm fishing um, like a very minnowy brown with like a clear, like a translucent body. You know what I'm saying? Like you can see through the bait, you can see yeah. the the BBs inside of it and all that crap. And so that's what I'm fishing on like a Lake Erie or even like a Lake St. Clair or some of these upground reservoirs, like that's what I'm fishing. So something that goes deep and something that is kind of brown green that looks like a minnow and uh, it's perfectly clear outside of just like the back of it so and i don't even know the color what they what they're called but if i'm fishing water that's like a little bit stained a little bit like i mean it's still clear like so the river i was fishing uh the other day it was the water's like clear relatively to that river but i mean still you only got like a full foot foot and a half of visibility i'm fishing something that's something that's opaque you know what i mean uh, something that's you can't see through by by opaque you can't see through it um, and I wanted to catch smallmouth so anything that's got blue and chartreuse and gro like some a little bit of like gray in it kind of looks like a minnow um, I think I forget what it's called I think it's like the jackal re-range I think it was called not Helsinki shags. I think that's what Rapala's version of that's called. It's like, it's just like a, a chartreuse, uh, chartreuse line across it. And then there's like a nice like blue back. It's not sexy shad, but it's, it's got like, it's actual chartreuse and it's got like a blue back and then it's got some silver in it. And it looks like a minnow just with some chartreuse on it pretty much. Um, and those smallmouths just go crazy over blue and charters. I don't know why, but those are smallmouth colors, and so those typically work really well. Um, but you want to do something that's typically pretty natural this time of year, because the water's clear. The, it looks you want something that looks like a fish, um, and I don't know. I guess I guess I just feel like that's that's the way I go with it. Now, um, if I'm fishing some a crankbait or something and I don't fish a ton of crankbaits. It's actually one of my goals this year to fish more crankbaits, but, um, I like gold a, a lot around me because it just reflects so well in dirty water. Like my spinner baits are gold. Like I, everything I fish is gold or has gold in it around here. Um, and typically that works really, really well, like gold flake for my soft plastics, gold, you know, just lipless crankbaits and just all kinds of stuff so
2: well i've heard gold's a really good color in the, in winter anyways
3: yeah and um now i guess in the winter i don't use it as as much because it's i don't need to because the water is more clear so the reason i use gold is because i think it reflects better in muddy water that's okay. why i use gold uh so the water's not as muddy in the winter now in the spring like i'm gonna have my i wish i had it actually i do have it with me Got next to me, so I, I uh, like these are my spinner baits that I throw. Like there's pure gold, man, just gold Colorado blades, gold skirt, muddy water.
2: <laughs> it works really good.
3: <laughs> I'm gonna
2: have to try that because all I got is
3: silver, and I've yeah. never caught a fish on a spinner bait. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, I I love so. Man, that's a whole nother. I love spinner baits in this <laughs> <laughs> I, I can go through See, all my seasons. We're, like,
1: I, yeah, we're yeah, going to have baits. to bring you
3: back on here sometime. But, yeah, I uh, definitely love spinnerbaits. And that's cool. something where a lot of guys have gone toward chatterbaits. But uh, I yeah. still throw my spinnerbait, well, hey. man.
2: Well, Let me ask you about this. I just picked something up at Academy. You know, like I said, I never caught a fish on a spinnerbait. And this is basically what it is, just with a twist. It's a live target... Uh, bait ball spinner rig it's basically okay. a a spinner bait but it's got extra wires coming off of it and mm-hmm. it 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 looks like a bait
3: ball it's so like, it's like a little alabama like, rig yeah sort of okay
2: Just, yeah, yeah sort of like that i i haven't tried it yet but i'm mm-hmm. interested in
3: trying that especially since bait i don't see why be, it wouldn't work. yeah i mean yeah. as long as you so it's like anything i mean I went out and got all excited about Alabama rigs last year and, uh, bought like a couple of them and all that. And, and you, man, you throw an Alabama rig through the water and you're like, this is cheating. Like when you watch it come back, like, holy <laughs> crap, like that, man, awesome, you
2: know, I've seen videos of people bringing in
3: three fish at a
2: time, all yeah, those things.
3: <laughs> but, uh, but I would say, so so that is what, what you're describing sounds like a little mini Alabama rig. And you're gonna have yeah, that's to commit, basically what it is. You gotta like commit to a bait like an Alabama rig, because you can you can slay on them if they're being active. And that's the thing about like an A-rig, is like it'll show you it's a it's a good bait to show you the activity of the fish. If they're hitting it and how aggressively they're hitting it, you can you can gauge a lot. If they're not really hitting it, bump down to just a normal spinnerbait because that's all a spinnerbait is is it's like a one armed alabama rig it's like a finesse alabama rig and i love spinnerbaits around like light quarter ounce spinnerbaits with like big old blades on them and double skirts and like a buoyant trailer and just like float it i mean because they basically like float just around like wood, and just like pull it through wood because spinner baits are so weedless and not weedless, but they're they're snagless around wood and stuff like that. So um, I, it it works really well.
2: I just thought of one more
3: question with the jerk bait. Yeah, what are you
2: what are you targeting with that? Are you trying to
3: stay around rock or? I am an open water dude jerkbang. So jerk baits are so expensive. I will only throw them <laughs> when like, I'm pretty confident. Like there's not a lot of crap in the water. Like I've got to be relatively familiar with the area. Like I'm not throwing a jerk bait. I'm not going to like my random Lake that in a tournament that I have nothing, no idea. There's like a shopping cart down there. It's, like <laughs> I don't, I don't want to get my jerk bait stuck. Like they're just too pricey to, to get stuck. Um, so I'm typically like a Lake Erie, like open water situations where like now and again, I, I will touch the bottom, but when I'm jerkbait fishing, I'm not going for fish that are on the bottom. If I was going for fish on the bottom, I'd be throwing a, like a drop shot or I'd be throwing a jig or I'd be like, my whole thing was, I don't throw a jerkbait at this specific, or I don't throw like a bottom jig this time of year. because all the fall foliage or foliage or however you say it, like all the leaves and grass and crap and sticks, they just like settle on that bottom. Like that bottom is a mess right now in the rivers and lakes. Those fish aren't going to sit down there and be in that crap. They're going to be suspended up above it. And so that jerk bait meets them right where they are, you know? And, And I feel like that's the other reason I like throwing it because right now at this transitional time of year, um, cause we're not quite yet in winter, but we're pretty close, but that river still said, i like, I caught a lot of leaves on the bottom yesterday when it did hit the bottom and they weren't like decayed leaves. Like they were leaves that have been there for a few weeks at the most. And, uh, that tells me like that bottom is still a mess. And those fish don't want to sit down there on the bottom at this time oh, of year In the winter they will, in the winter they'll just sit, sit there, um, in the river anyway. But you know, at this time of year, I don't feel like they're there yet
2: all right sweet uh is there anything
3: that we didn't
2: touch on that you we need to
3: uh no i mean that's just jerk bait i mean jerk baits are something that uh like anything um you know you're talking spinner baits talking jerk baits like i like fishing a lot of different ways in ohio you've got to learn how to fish a lot of different ways because the the, we don't have a lot of good impoundments like Tennessee does. Like we've got to figure it out. We we don't have great weather a lot of times. So you've got to be versatile, man. Like, you know, you see guys like Kurt Smith's, you know, he lives down in Cincinnati. He's fishing for hybrids at this point in the winter, but like, you know, he's down there fishing lipless crankbaits right now on the Ohio river. Um, while I'm up here fishing jerkbaits and you got guys up steelhead fishing with crankbaits on by Cleveland and, any random type of bait you know um it's just a matter of like putting in time uh to to go and and get good at it and um i i found myself a lot of times like chasing the the latest trends of you know everybody gets all hyped up about bait x y or z or like a chatterbait or a tokyo rig or a donkey rig or (laughs) whatever like there's just so many rigs out there nowadays and it's easy to be like oh man i gotta go get set up for that um the guys who are like the best uh and most consistent i i feel like they just kind of do like a few things really really well and they know their strengths and they just they just go with it you know and and i've you know i found i fell victim a lot of times to a lot of the the trends and everything as a result of that i've learned how to fish a lot of different ways. But then I found that, man, I'm not really proficient at anything. And so, like I fall back on just like a few different things, just depending on the time of the year and the body of water I'm fishing. And, and I'll just hammer that home and just keep doing it and, and get really good at it. And uh, and just apply that to similar bodies of water when I go fish. So that's well, Cool, kind of man. I, I think there was a lot of good
2: information here. And uh, I'm I'm psyched to put this stuff to use. Probably try that this weekend. Yeah, Uh, cool. I I appreciate you coming on and everything. You want
3: to give a shout out to the sponsors and social media and all that good stuff. I'm not worried about my social media at all, but uh, (laughs) I appreciate uh, the opportunity for you guys bringing me on. Um, You know, always uh, grateful for, uh, just thankful for being a part of a a pretty cool kayak company um, in Jackson and just enjoying that and. Um, you know, this year Saint Croix picked me up. Um, you know, I've been uh, I fished a lot of different rods. I fished Loomis rods, and and I fished Saint Croix back in the past. And I've I've jumped around to a couple different places, but um, you know, very thankful for for that company as well. And and have been uh, you know doing some work on media uh, with them as well. And can't wait to see some of that get published out here in the next year, um, some projects we've been working on. And so I really love that rod company. Um, and then Bending Branches is, is always just, you know, Andrew at Bending Branches always treated me really well too. And uh, just just very um, grateful for the opportunities that uh, they extend in, in an ever-changing uh, world where kayaks uh, seem to be more propelled by pedals and, and motors than paddles nowadays. But, um, you know, when I'm when I'm out on the river, I'm in thick stuff. Um, it's all about the paddle. And, and so bending branches to me is, is where it's at. So, um, but yeah, I mean, and, and quite honestly, like thanks to you guys for just being consistent in your content production and providing a platform for people to learn. Um, you know, it's just, it's a, it's an industry that, uh, it's ever changing. Uh, you see it changing all the time and, uh, I'm just happy to be a part of it and, You know, sorry that I couldn't be more definite in a lot of my answers today. But I I guess my my whole theme is, you know, you figure out what works for you. um, There's, you know, just take something that you might have some mild interest in in learning and then just make it your own. And I think that's the best way that you can go about fishing and just put time in to get good at whatever that is. So if like you want to get into jerk baits, then then take the time to do it. If you're going to invest the money to do it, you know, and get good at it and catch some fish and gain confidence in it. And then branch off to another technique. So, oh, so I guess one last <laughs> thing is the way I learned techniques. I will only bring that that lure. <laughs> it's like so, like I will only bring like one lure a lot of times. Yeah, I hear I that fishing. a lot. And so that's that's how I learned some techniques like that. So, and that's what I would suggest. And, and don't put it down until you you get confident in it. So.
2: Yeah, and man, as far as far as what you were saying about you know you know figuring out what works for you I, I think you did a really good job at uh putting down like uh somewhere for people to start you know they can sure. you know try to mimic you to a certain point and then just tweak it to yeah. how what fits them and everything so, so I, I think i think you put out a good a lot of good information on there and everything and right i appreciate you coming on
3: right on and, man. Uh, you're welcome yeah, nope, and I'm not the authority on any of this. And so, <laughs> yeah, so to your point right there, I am not the bottom line authority on it. Um, I'm just, you know, I, I learn just as much as uh, any anybody else about this stuff and, and try to learn as much. And so hopefully it can help somebody, but I will say go to Tactical Bass, and if you re- really want to learn about it, go to them. <laughs> go and just YouTube that. After you listen to this, go YouTube that, and you'll learn everything you want about bait fishing. <laughs> so there you go all right
2: man well i appreciate it coming all on. right
3: all right and, uh, Aaron, hey
2: it was good talking to you man yeah you too man we'll have to get you back on
3: sometime about the spinner baits hey whatever whatever whenever you, you whenever you want to talk fish and i'm here <laughs> all right brother all right talk Bless to you later you. man all right everybody
2: else tight lines and smooth paddling do you love our podcast and want to help support us even more? Well, now you can. You can simply go to patreon.com forward slash paddle the letter N Finn, or you can also go to anchor.fm forward slash paddle the letter N Finn.
1: Go check out the website, guys, paddle the letter N and Finn.com. Also, check out YouTube, youtube.com forward slash paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, but want to hear from a future guest, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're doing giveaways, announcements, things like that at Facebook and Instagram at paddle and fin. Shout out to our show supporters Rocktown Adventures, Loveland Canoe and Kayak, Hammered Lures, Fish Mob Lures, TRC Covers, Catch Products.
0: This is Bucky Buckstabber, founder and executive director of the Fly Fishing Collaborative. At the Fly Fishing Collaborative, also known as FFC, we mobilize the fly fishing community, outdoor enthusiasts, and people of goodwill everywhere to create sustainable solutions to poverty and human trafficking. We have many different initiatives to accomplish this goal, but our primary focus is building organic and environmentally friendly aquaponics farms for communities suffering from trafficking because of a lack of resource. If you're interested in funneling your passion for the outdoors to benefit those that need help the most, then visit flyfishingcollaborative.org. Josiah Pleasant, Executive Director of Agathos Village here, to specifically invite you to positively impact the vulnerable in Juneau, Alaska, in partnership with FFC. Bucky and I have been blessed to be a part of transformational impact abroad and are stoked to bring our lessons learned home to serve the marginalized. If it breaks your heart to know that the vulnerable are literally left out in the cold, don't have community, a home, or healthy food, join us to make a tangible impact by donating or making plans to volunteer with us. You can donate at www flyfishingcollaborative.org, and write Alaska in the notes to help us help others.
2: Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throw? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.